it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. This is as far as I go. Your baby. Was it a girl? Yes. What was her name? Alex? Alexandra. I remember. A girl. A girl with blue eyes. She, uh, she helped me. She saved me. Just like you did. She wasn't like the others. She was good. I'm sorry that you didn't find what you were looking for. And I hope your baby is not infected. But if it is, I hope you know what must be done. Welcome, everyone, as we head back to the island once again from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. From the Podcastica Network, I'm Kristen Howell. This episode, we are covering season two, episode five, Maternity Leave. Or episode 15. That could work, too. What did I say? Five. Well, <laughs> episode one, five. There we go. That works out better. <laughs> you know that the original title of this episode was Maternity Matters. Yeah, and I think it got changed after post-production or something like that. I don't know why maternity matters would make just as much sense as maternity leave. Yeah, it would have just made me think more of Family Matters, which was a oh, show. Family Matters, Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel, or Stefan Urkel, depending on which version you got. I think a lot of us just called it the Urkel Show after a while. Wow, less than a minute and the train has already left the track. That's all right. <laughs> that's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, just a quick word about the format of the podcast. If you don't already know, podcasts are released every Friday. So you are hearing this on Friday morning or somewhat slightly after. And this is, of course, a spoiler full podcast. You will hear spoilers from the past as well as spoilers from the future. And I know just from my notes alone, I, I know there's at least one or two times I'm going to reference stuff that hasn't happened yet. So spoiler warning flat out from the start. So, uh, but yeah, I, I want to, before we jump into Lost, I just have to say a quick public congratulations to you and, and uh, House Podcastica for being in the top 10 of TV and, uh, what is it, TV and film podcasts right now yeah. on iTunes? Well, yesterday, I think we were number 16. If okay, it's in- top 20, sorry. Yeah. That's still <clears throat> a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting and, and very um I don't know. Hard work pays off, everybody. Yeah, it's just it's 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 just funny to me. Uh, uh, not funny in a like bad sense, but you know, we we promote the hell out of House Podcast House Podcastica on this podcast. But I don't remember once hearing we have to go back on the House Podcastica podcast. That's weird because it's all the time. That I know I talk it is. About my other <laughs> I know. So you're not listening to the end, buddy. I, well, I listen. I haven't listened to this week's yet, which oh, of the long night, which I really need to because such a fantastic episode. Uh, but yeah, last week I heard I 
I did listen and I heard you mention other podcasts. So I'm just joking around. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> let's jump into. But thank you. That was very nice. I appreciate it. It's it's well deserved. I mean, House Podcastica is such a great podcast with you and Jason this season. And uh, you deserve it. You deserve to be that high praise and that high reward. Thank you. Very nice. Let's uh, let's jump into things and start yeah. breaking down this episode a little bit, bringing up some points that we want to talk about. Uh, as usual, I'm going to turn it over to you uh, to kick us off. Um, okay. So first of all, I really, really loved the fact that this was a very girl squad type of episode, um, <clears throat> especially when Sawyer was like, oh, no boys allowed. And Kate said, nope. And I'm like, that's right. No boys allowed. <laughs> uh, it was nice to see girls taking charge and going out on a mission, just them. And they didn't really need the dudes to come along with them. Uh, back in, you know, 2005, 2006, whenever this, what, this actually aired, I think that that was probably a bigger deal than it would be now. Now it's, uh, you know, women are taking the lead in a lot of shows. But, you know, about, what is that, 10 12, 13 years ago, that wasn't the case. So that was, um, that was really cool to me. And, you know, I liked it that Claire left the baby with son and, um, Claire went to Libby for help. And there, there was just, um, the men were secondary characters in this episode, which I think was really needed because it's been real testosterone in yeah, the past couple of episodes. It, it's been a man's world on that Island. Uh, mm -hmm. Up until now. So you're right. It, it was very refreshing to see yeah, the ladies working together, as you mentioned. Yeah. And it was nice to see Kate as a leader because Kate was supposed to be the original leader of the show before they decided to have Jack Shepard be in uh, the central character of the series. And so it was nice to see what Kate would look like as a leader and, and how she would protect uh, the people that she has grown accustomed to. Although it was really funny that she seems to be drinking Jack's Kool-Aid a little bit because she had a lot of uh, gruffness about her, especially when dealing with Danielle Russo and uh, kind of how she felt that Claire was kind of going on a stupid mission, but she still wanted to go along to kind of like help her out a little bit. So it was just funny because I'm like, well, Kate, you're getting a little jack on us, but that was okay. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting to note, too, you know, when it comes to the two styles between Jack and Kate, you're right. Kate is kind of taking on a little bit of Jack's attitude, but I think the big difference would have been if this was Jack that she had went to instead of Kate, uh, Jack would have turned her away. I don't think Jack would have gone. I think he would have told her it was a stupid mission, and I don't think he would have gone with her. Well, and I think that you're right about that just because when she was adamant that something was really wrong with Aaron, he kind of brushed it off as nothing. Um, but you know what? <clears throat> I don't think that that's a Jack thing. I think that that's a doctor thing. A lot of doctors, they do that. They like to minimize stuff um, and just tell you that they know better. So I, I don't think that that was a Jack thing and it was more of a uh, a doctor thing. Yeah, I mean, and, and I do have that note uh, in my list here of Jack's bedside manner when it came to Claire and talking about Aaron. And the unfortunate part about it was he was actually right. It really was nothing. It was just a simple rash by the end. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't the right. sickness that they were fearing. Right, which is okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's great for Aaron because it means, you know, this, this fear that Claire has, it sets her mind at ease a little bit and... Uh, you know, it, it's great for Aaron because he's not going to die of some mysterious sickness that the island has. Well, and it's very, it's, 
it's very accurate as far as new parents go. When you're a new mom and something happens to your kid or your baby, you just don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You think everything is going to be a worst case scenario situation because you're in charge of this tiny human life and it can feel very overwhelming. So it's it. I, I love the way that they did that because that's a very real world scenario there, not an island scenario. Yeah, especially as you mentioned too, for first time parents, uh, more so than any, because you're right, it's new to everybody. By your third or fourth kid, it's like, nope, you're fine. I, we don't have to talk about this. Yeah, by your second kid, you're like that. <laughs> by, my son, by, by my son, I was like, you'll be fine. He's like, but I'm bleeding. I'm like, yeah, it's walk it fine. Off. Go get a paper towel. Yeah, walk, walk it off. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I don't have kids, but I know plenty of people who are like first time parents and watch them go through that. And it's I mean, and I've had my share, too, of when I was dating someone with a kid. And technically for that period, that was my first kid. So I was that way, too. And just hearing the mother like, no, they're fine. Relax. You're you're yeah. OK. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's fun to watch stuff like that, but interesting at the same time. Yeah, I totally. Oh, oh, you don't feel well? You should go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go outside and play. It, it'll wear off. You'll be fine. But I'm tired. Yeah, go outside. The sun is shining. I think I Vitamin need... <laughs> D, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, your first kid scrapes his knee. That's going to need stitches. Your second kid scrapes his knee. Now wipe it off with a paper towel. Wet paper yeah. towel and you're fine. Yeah, a wet paper towel. Exactly. Well, don't get a dry paper towel. Get a wet paper towel. Yeah, exactly. Towel. <laughs> Be smart about this, five-year-old. <laughs> I'm actually pulling from an a, a, an event that happened. Personal like experience? Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> Adam came in and he goes, my, my, my knee hurts and he's bleeding. And I'm like, you're fine. It's just, you <laughs> fell down. You scraped it. You're fine. I know. Oh, my God, we have here. to go to the ER. Yeah, no. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was my number, well, my first point. Your first point. My, my number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of the things I found interesting, because this is the first episode we get this. Uh, we do have flashbacks in this episode, but they're more recent. Um, you know, Claire's flashbacks this time, nothing, this entire episode takes place on the island. And there are no, all of her flashbacks are from memories that she is remembering nothing mm -hmm. is from before her time on the island as all the previous flashbacks that we have uh, and one of the things i really like that they did with that process and showing all these flashbacks um in particular is the noise that they use uh the alarm sounding Mm. And one of the reasons why I really like that is because of the fact that like anytime we see these flashbacks and we get that swoosh, you know, of, of somebody remembering or we're, we're seeing something that happened in the past of their lives before they got to the island. In those other flashbacks, it's more where we as an audience are seeing this. They're not recap. They're not recalling it or telling the story They're We're just getting this as as viewers. But this time around with Claire, these are sudden shocks of, of memories that she is getting. These are things that are coming back to her uh, just all of a sudden, suddenly. And that's really what that noise portrays really well too, because that noise itself is startling. So mm -hmm. to use a startling noise to go to these flashbacks or these memories that she's remembering, it's almost the best way that the, sh the writers could to portray what Claire is actually feeling at the time, remembering them. Mm -hmm. It's a startling noise to us as a viewer. And it's startling to her to recall these memories that she forgot. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. I, I just like the way that the writers did that with these flashbacks. That's a that's that's a, a nice catch because I didn't notice that the first time I watched it until I was starting to read up on it and they said that they had used a a, a new noise and I said oh really <laughs> I like I just totally didn't catch it and it's probably because I was I was it like really paying attention to the flashbacks that she was having you mm-hmm. know and and it was startling and so um, it wasn't until like halfway through the episode that I realized that the flashbacks were just going to be island only. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, maybe they'll go to like time in Australia or something like that. But no, it was it was all island, which incidentally was the second episode for that to happen. So that was really interesting. I'm trying to remember what the first one was. I think it was uh, the other 48 days. Okay. Yeah. In which I don't think there were any flashbacks in that. The episode itself was a flashback. Yes, I think that you are correct. Yeah, so there was no flashbacks in that, just because the whole episode itself was, uh, in essence, a flashback. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, that was that was my first point I wanted to make. Is just I, I love the use of that noise. Uh, That's the, awesome. The alarm sounding, uh, mm-hmm. and just as a great way to portray what Claire was feeling at the time as well when she was recalling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good Claire episode. She did such a good job this episode. Yeah. Oh, I mean the the two. There are two highlights of this episode to me. There are obviously um, Emily Duravin was fantastic in this episode, portraying mm-hmm. everything that she was going from a fearful mother to someone on on the verge, like on a mission uh, to get something done. And the other one, which I'm sure we'll talk about more towards the end, is no surprise here, uh, Michael Emerson. Uh, and just the little that we got of him, I thought was just fucking fantastic. Yeah, you know what, I'll use I'll use that platform to kind of jump into my next point then. And that's, um, that is the very easy manipulation of Locke. Oh, my God. You know, (laughs) it's, it's so crazy to me, how easy it is to manipulate this poor man. And Henry Gale slash Ben Linus, um, he hones in on that almost immediately. You know, uh, we know that the that the uh, gun locker is not soundproof one of my favorite lines is when they go what should we do about him and and you hear from the gun locker you could let me go <laughs> yes <laughs> i that forgot awesome. about that <laughs> <laughs> um but you know i mean he picks up on the conversation that Locke and, and jack have about hemingway versus dostoevsky and they use uh I, I looked up some stuff about that that book, the brothers. Uh, I can't say that word. Karamanov. Karamanov. Sure. Yeah. Uh, by Dostoevsky, and and it's about um, at the heart of the book, it's it's about something um, like the very existence of man and and uh, of life itself, or something. And I'm like, oh, that's very island island like. Uh, but it's funny that Ben uses that to as as kind of a launch pad to talk to Locke and try and manipulate him a little bit and weaken Locke's position against Henry Gale and pit him against Jack yet again. Everybody loves to pit these two men to, uh, against each other. And I feel that if there weren't all of these outside influences trying to get Locke to do their bidding when it comes to Jack, that maybe Jack and Locke would have found some middle ground more uh, than they ever have. I think that because 
they're set up as antagonists to each other as kind of like a mom and dad that just never get along that they never had the opportunity to come together and and actually compromise with each other because they were always fighting each other and and it was a lot of times it was for other people's battles with Jack yeah does that make any sense no it it, it really does i mean and you know it's you know just playing on that a little bit more about how he turns them against each other you're you're right it's it's fan- it's it's a wonder to watch how easily it really is uh, mm-hmm. how easy it really is and you mentioned you know pitting these two against each other at the time you know at this moment right now that's really his greatest that's really Ben's or Henry's greatest weapon mm-hmm. is his his weapon is manipulation because that's well, really and all, all he's he has. been doing yeah and all mm-hmm. he's been doing is listening because clearly he can hear everything well, yeah, because he's he's yelling from the other side of the door. You can let me go, right? You know, right. which you're... is a clue that he can hear everything that's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it, sticking on that for the moment too. That you know, with the the Henry Gale aspect of everything at the end. Sure. Um, you know, one of my another great moment from this episode that I really liked, uh, as far as like that made me chuckle moment was when Echo comes into the hatch to talk to Henry and he wants to talk to him one-on-one and you know when Echo walks into the hatch for the second time and Locke's like did you come here for more tools and Jack's like he knows John John's (laughs) reaction is just well there you go like he's just completely John is basically along for the ride at this point like he is not surprised by anything going forward that is such a perfect way to describe John Locke. In season two, John Locke is along for the ride. He's just like, okay, cool. That's what that's what's happening now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's he's just going with the flow. He's not mm-hmm. surprised by anything. Now there are some things that are coming up in the next couple episodes that really do surprise John. Um, mm-hmm. Question mark is the episode I'm thinking. Or no, is it question mark or is it? I don't remember. Uh, the name of the episode is well. Question mark is one of them, but I think it's uh, three minutes. Is the is one... that the one where he has to choose between Helen and his dad? Oh no! Um, lockdown is the episode I'm thinking of. Oh yeah. When, when, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When he has to when he has to work with Henry Gale to like do something in the hatch because the hatch starts to take on a life of its own. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There and there's a lot of moments like I remember a fluorescent image that pops up in that episode that really surprises John. Uh, you know, so it's there are still some surprises for John, but at this moment, Locke is just as I mentioned, he's along for the ride. Well, you know, I think that he's pretty indifferent to who knows that there is somebody locked up there. To tell you the truth, I think that he's just following rules or boundaries that have been set. Uh, you know, last week, last week's episode, the, was it last week's episode where Henry Gale yes. showed up? Yes. Okay. Um, we took the week off, so I'm a little, a little It throws you off a little rusty. bit, yeah. Um, but uh, he was very steadfast in supporting Saeed in, okay, we have to keep this guy locked up. We don't know who he is, blah, blah, blah. And it seems like the tables have turned this week that... Jack, while well, last week was like, no, what are we doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Now he he's the one that's steadfast and keeping him locked up. We don't know where he is. We don't know who he is. So 
it, it's interesting that the dynamic has completely flipped around. Like it's done a 180 and now Jack is completely on board and Locke, Locke doesn't seem to be as much on board. Did you get that feeling? I, yeah, a little bit. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder now, now because that, that's a really good point. And I, I'm really starting to wonder now if I, I wonder if these two characters are so polar opposites that I wonder if that's intention. If I think that's something that just naturally happens between these two characters. I think if one of them starts to change, the other one naturally just goes to the opposite point. And because, again, like they, we've heard the term polar opposites before, but that's this is like the best sample of that is that they push apart so far that you're right. When one starts to change its tune to like kind of lean more towards the other, it's just natural instinct that the other one changes too. Like they push apart so far from each other, they'll never come to terms with, they'll never agree on anything. So it's funny that you say that just because. I like while you're talking about that, I could totally see I could totally see Jack coming in being like, the sky is blue. And Locke's like, no, the sky is purple. <laughs> and then like and then Locke looks up and he goes, no, you're right. The sky is blue. And and then Jack goes, no, the sky is purple. You were God. right. The fir- You were right the first time. Exactly. The sky is purple. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I think it is purple. No, it's actually blue. Like it's like it. there's it's like two magnets that keep trying to go together, but they're the same. It's like south and south. And yeah. you just can't get them to like come together ever. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing. I think you're right. I think it's it's. It's that instinct between the two of them that even if they disagreed with what they were saying, as long as it was opposite of what the other was saying, they're okay. They can accept it. I don't, I, I'd like to say that they've agreed on things, but I can't. I'm sure that they have in the past, and I'm just I'm blanking on it now. You know, I mean, even with the pushing the button, Jack doesn't want to do it, but he does it. And then he but he never lets John forget about the fact that he doesn't agree with pushing the button, even though they keep pushing the button. Like he mentioned it again this episode. He's like, because Jack, Jack says or no, Locke, Locke says, what's our long term plan here for for this man? And Jack goes, well, we don't have a long term plan for the button, but we keep pressing it. It's like, dude, what? What? <laughs> what? What is the point of bringing that up? Basic. It's it's ammunition against John. I mean, that's really all it is. Right, and that. I'm, but that's the dumbest thing. It's just like people. The they. Jack seems to hate Locke so much that he will. He's like almost petty in the arguments and and lock locks the same way he gives it right back to jack when he gets a stick up his butt it's like whoever has this you know the same it's like they trade sticks up the butt every <laughs> single day and whoever has the stick up their butt they're the ones that are going to bring up old shit and then the next week the other ones turn to have sticks up their butt and they're going to bring up old shit so it's like okay great yeah this is the argument that never ends. <laughs> it goes on and on, my friends. <laughs> and it's it's weird too because I'm trying to think ahead because these guys clash so many times throughout the course of the series. So much so that when we get to that final season, like it is the ultimate clash. But um, and but that's well, a lock's lo- not lock. Right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's a little different because lock's lock's not truly lock. But it isn't until like we get the incident or. Uh, I think it's the end of season three with the wheel yeah. where they're, these two guys are finally separated from each other that we, we finally start to see a tonal change in these two characters. I think these guys are so 
these guys are literally you talk about the sickness which is something we'll get back to i think these guys are actually the sickness for each other like oh, that's an interesting thought like it, the, as long as these two are together they'll never be completely emotionally and uh you know healthy because that's they're, a really interesting thought uh, be, because they're they're constantly going to be at odds as long as they're in the same vicinity as each other. Mm-hmm. So I think in some way and form, these guys in essence are really sickness to each other. Right. One wow, that's Jack a really. Is, yeah, Jack is the virus. Jack is a virus to Locke, and Locke is a virus to Jack. They're they're never their truest selves or the best versions of themselves as long as the other one is around. I would completely agree with that. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Why is that? And there's something very sad about that because I think that the the two of them at at their core are are really interesting, fascinating, good characters. And, you know, it's like anybody who when you're paired up with somebody that brings out the worst in you, you never see the best in that person, which is just a shame. Because if each of them saw the best in each other, they could be a very formidable and strong pair. And it's almost like the island wants them to be at odds because it makes the island stronger to have these two not at their best. Or not only that, but the truth, you know, we've we've talked a lot about how this island is constantly testing these people. What if Jack and Locke are tests of each other? Yeah, well, they fail every episode. Yeah, so. they do. Yeah, they do i mean one of them they're real bad at passing this test <laughs> yes yes they they really truly are um while we're on the topic of henry gale and i just mentioned i'll make this real quick and then i'll turn it back over to you uh how i talked about how you know emily Duravin and michael emerson are fantastic in this episode with the other part about michael emerson that really blew me away this episode is the interactions with him and echo when Echo, you know, gets locked in there. First off, why would you lock Echo in there with a knife? Like because you... because Echo is Echo is probably it's like such a weird thing to say about an ex warlord. He's probably <laughs> the most trustworthy person on the island. More uh, like, yeah, he's up there with Hurley. How's that? I mean, you could put that guy in a locked room with all the weapons, and he's not going to use them unless he absolutely has to. And I think that that's pretty much understood. I mean, he's like this gentle giant at this point. And I love that he was not able to be manipulated by Henry Gale. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely, it's, I love that scene of the two of them together and Henry mm -hmm. Gale or and, and Echo confessing to Henry about the two men that he killed mm -hmm. because that scene in particular one Emerson's acting in that scene of pretending that he and that's the thing I don't think he was pretending he was afraid I think in that moment Henry really was afraid wouldn't be you be did you see the size of the knife well not only that you see the size of echo you see the size of the knife and you know already what this man can do like you know that yeah. he bludgeoned these two guys with stones henry already knows this right i know you know he's he's getting this confession from echo he already knows this henry is scared for his life at this moment like he is ready to shit himself well be wouldn't you be i absolutely would be right 
Like, you don't know the kind of... All you know is what you already know, and that's that he killed these two people. You don't know how he's kind of come to terms with God, and he's trying to be a better person. So the acting that Emerson portrays in being frightened was magnificent. It was fantastic acting. But on top of that, I love the fact that Echo confesses to Henry because this is pretty much Echo saying, I know who you are. I Well, he doesn't know him in the truest sense, but he knows that he's lying. Yeah, but, but he's that's not really interesting. Yeah, I, you know what? That's so cool that you said that because he is he's so he's so unconcerned with the fact that he's an other. He's just like, yeah, look, man, you say whatever you want to me. We both know who you are. So let me just get this out. And then I'm going to cleanse myself of my own sins. Yeah. And I'll be and I'll be out of everybody's hair. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I liked it because Echo's like, they're just being careful. And they're being careful because they have reason to be careful. You know, and he goes, well, I don't understand and blah, 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 blah. He goes, I need you to stop talking. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that was the best when he goes, yeah, you're going to have to stop talking. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that whole scene is, is probably one of my favorite scenes in this entire episode. It also shows that, you know, if you are at your best, Echo is, is, is a character that's probably always at his best. He's alert. He's strong. He's very careful. He's observant. Um, you know, he's, he's tough. He's everything that I think Jack and Locke could be if they weren't so concerned about each other. Right. Yeah. And so you have that character and echo coming in and you see, you kind of see for the first time, I'm kind of thinking about this right now. You kind of see for the first time that Henry Gale is manip trying to ma manipulate the situation in this scene. Um, and echo won't stand for it. Whereas with, with Jack or with Locke, whenever they're talking to Henry, it just looks like, you know, these guys that are just, you know, holding this, this guy that might not be who he says he is, or, or maybe he is, I don't know. Like it's very, very apparent in this scene with echo that Henry Gale is not who he says he is. Okay. Because he's throwing manipulation at echo and echo is just kind of like brushing it off. Like, okay, stop talking. I don't care what you have to say because then when Locke comes in at the very end of the episode and Henry Gale throws manipulation at Locke, it works. Yeah. And you can see a little bit more clear, I think, that Henry Gale is manipulating the situation after that scene with Echo. So you so okay, so you think everything with Echo was part of his plan, or it just happened it just no. helped him to realize more who he could manipulate after no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with Henry Gale. It has everything to do with the audience. I think that the okay. audience maybe was unsure, but it wasn't until the scene with Echo that I think it was it's being made clear. Okay, okay. That Henry Gale is not who he says he is. And then it's made even more clear when Locke comes in at the very end and you see Henry doing the same thing with Locke and it's working. And I and I love how the camera cuts back to Henry Gale in the room eating yes. the fruit, and he like he is unfazed about yep. what Locke is doing outside of that room because he knows what he's doing. Well, he needed. I mean, I think that Henry Gale needed to take control back of that. Take take the control of the situation back. I think Echo threw him off of his game plan. Okay. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, you, you know, getting to real quick, too, about what you mentioned about, uh, you know, how Mr. Echo is, is, you know, pure in what he does and everything. Do you think there's a possibility that maybe 
you know, we we talked about how Locke and Jack are polar opposites, and Echo is kind of, you know, a, a, a midway. Do we think Echo is kind of the portrayal of what's best about both Jack and Locke combined into one person, and that might be one of the reasons why the island eliminated him? Yeah, you know what, I... I, I'm glad that you asked that question because I had that same thought a few minutes ago, and I think that that's something worth thinking about. I'm not sure that I could really uh, answer that effectively right now. Um, that seems to be something that maybe we we should come back to, circle back to yeah. at, at another episode, because I think that there's something there with that thought. Yeah, I, I think that could be a reason why Echo's fate is determined the way it is. I think the island just was like, no, we can't have this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put these two at odds for a reason, and you're mm-hmm. kind of throwing a wrench in that plan. You have to go. Echo, you're fucking everything up, man. <laughs> exactly. Get out. <laughs> Leave alone. You're too good. <laughs> um, so what about you? What's another point uh, that you have to, to bring up? Um, so I really enjoyed the – there was um, some foreshadowing in this episode, which I thought was kind of cool with Sun and Claire and Aaron. Yes. So – Son tells Claire a mother should never leave her child. And it was it's interesting that um, that she says that because, you know, eventually and this is all spoilery. So anybody who hasn't seen it should probably just fast forward me for a while. Um, <laughs> but Aaron eventually leaves the island with Son and Kate. And that's uh, Claire and Aaron being separated. And then Son, she has her baby uh, off island and goes back to the island, leaving her baby, leaving her child behind to go get Jin. And incidentally, both mothers are never reunited with their children again after that separation. I'm I'm so glad you brought this up because I had this in my notes too. Cool. I have I have that written down. A mother should not leave her child. Uh, said by son, and you're absolutely right. She, it's kind of, it's kind of advanced. Uh, hypocritical because that's exactly <laughs> what she ends up doing. Well, and I mean, Claire even says, are you a mother? Then you don't know what, you know, what, what you're talking about. And it's true because son was a mother and she did uh, like later in, later in the seasons, later in the series. And she did what she thought was best for her family by going to try and find Jen. And that was a really difficult decision for her to make. Yeah. I think it's also I think it's also uh, interesting to point out too that at the time she asks her, "Are you a mother?" She kind of already is. Well, she's mm-hmm. on the verge of becoming. Yeah, jo- son is pregnant. Preggers. Yeah, she is pregnant with a baby at that time, at that moment. So mm-hmm. she's it's it's foreshadowing in that sense that she's about to become a mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's funny, and and this is just this has nothing to do with our point and everything to do with son. But um, one of my favorite it watching this uh, particular scene made me think of one of my favorite upcoming moments. I think it's in season three uh, when Son and Jin get the ultrasound. It's just I don't know. It uh, just thinking about it makes me cry every time with Juliet. So, and I think that's a return to the medical hatch again too, isn't it? I think they go back to that hatch. Do they? Because I think there's a room that's hidden that Juliet okay. knows about. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where they went. Because like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen the show. But yeah, that's that's just a really great, great moment. Yeah. 
I, I, I just one of many great moments with with Jin and Son and mm. uh, God, God, we talk so much Next, about how those char- those characters are yeah. just so tragic, but amazing. Next at episode the same time. is about uh, Jin and Son, so that'll be good. Uh, yeah. Next episode is the um, I think is I think it's it's primarily Son, uh, but you're right. I think it's a Jin and Son flashback, and I think there's some truth that comes out. Mm-hmm. Next week, yep, there is, which is gonna be fun. <laughs> So what did you want to say anything else about that, though? Because that um, was all I had for the foreshadowing. And I just thought it was interesting. No, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I just I just found it great that I had that note in there. Yeah. Too. Um, what you, else do you have? You talked a little bit earlier about books that are read and the Dostoevsky book that, you know, Locke had given um, had given Henry Gale to read. There's another book in this episode. And you know me like I'm at the point where I overanalyze everything now. If I see, if I hear a song, I look it up, what's it mean? If I see a book, I look it up, what's it mean? Uh, there is a, a moment in this episode where Sawyer is reading a book on the beach, and it's called Lancelot by an author named Walker per- Walker Percy. Mm-hmm. So I looked into this book, and there are a couple things about this story that I feel are kind of fitting as and no surprise that the writers threw in there are kind of fitting to what this story is. Um, and I'll read a little bit of this and you can tell me where you think it fits in a little bit. Because uh, Lancelot's a 1977 novel by Walker Percy tells the story of a dejected lawyer, Lancelot Lamar, who murders his wife after discovering he is not the father of her youngest daughter. Um, there's one or two sentences in here that really, um, really made me think because uh, he sees it, it, the, it's about the story of how he sees things one way only to find out something is completely different. Uh, and that's really a good indication or kind of similarity as to what Claire goes through this week is with because Rousseau. with Rousseau, she's been ever since she returned to the island, she has been she has had this idea in her head that Rousseau was trying to bring her back to the hatch only to find out that that was not the case. She was literally trying to rescue her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that there's a big comparison in what is this, the main plot of this story in this novel that he's reading, how, how it is to Claire's story in this. Mm-hmm. And there's always, the writers are so fantastic about just throwing these little nods in there as to, you know, ways to kind of play off of what the story is. So it wasn't it's it's nothing really too engrossing to get into but I just as the moment I saw that book I'm like yep I got to look into it I got to see what it means and reading over the synopsis of the book there's a lot of points that are very similar to what is going on in this episode. Hmm. That's really interesting because I think that there's a lot there to that cuz this is a nothing is what it seems kind of storyline for Claire. Yeah, cuz like you know Here's a particular line from the synopsis. I didn't mean to cut you off, but... No, that's okay. Uh, through the monologue, the, the reader learns Lancelot Lamar's view of the world. He makes accusations, but also questions his own accusations, knowing his own limited ability to view things with clarity and objectivity. Yeah, so, I mean, there is something there with how she feels about Rousseau. Uh, there's also something there with what she thinks is going on with Aaron. And then for the audience member, uh, this was going to be one of my next points anyways, uh, so we'll just kind of tandem this. Uh, But it's also kind of what we think we know about Ethan. Um, You know, Ethan Ethan is very interesting in this episode. Um, 
he seems to be somebody that really cares about Claire. Uh, he seems to maybe be at odds with Tom Friendly and not doing what he's supposed to be doing, but he's also very ruthless and he's doing what needs to be done and what his job is. Um, now, I I think, if I remember correctly, there is an episode that's going to be about Ethan and his story at some point, correct? I think you're right. I think in season three, we get a little more focus. Um, I mean, at this point, we've already gotten more background into Ethan that makes him uh, already makes him a complicated character. Uh, right. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there is an episode next season where it becomes even more complicated because we find out how his back because we yeah, we do because it ties into Juliet's backstory. Right, um, right, right, right. Yeah, we do get a and little then- more of Ethan. And then the last thing that nothing is what it seems is when Kate finds the locker full of all the costumes and the theatrical glue and the beard. And I mean, everything's starting to kind of come up now that things are not what every what these survivors probably think that they are. Like, who are these others? Where where are they? What are they doing? Why are they dressing up? Why are they taking babies? Why is there these vaccines? You know, clearly something is happening that nobody knows what the actual truth is. And I mean, that's even scarier than anything else I think that they've they've been through is that everything that they think that they know about these adversaries are is now kind of turned on its head with Claire just opening up these lockers and walking into this medical hatch and seeing that, you know, everything that Claire ha- is having flashes of, like, it's clearly that place, but it's all gone. Like, all of it. The nursery is gone. And you could tell that that was the nursery, the booty, the outlines of where the characters were the on the walls. walls. Yep. Yeah, the uh, the rocking chair is still there, but everything else is gone. So I, it is so unsettling. Well, I, I, I want to touch on that for a minute, too, because uh, as viewers, we obviously know a little bit more about these people than or have more questions about these people than than the Losties do, because, you know, you're right. It's not until Claire, it's not until Kate finds the lot, the the theatrical glue and the beer and everything, the locker that Kate comes to the realization. Okay, these people are probably maybe not the realization, but she's starting to question who these people are. Uh-huh. Uh, and at this point, she's the only one who's kind of questioning it. Claire is more determined to find this this uh, you know this antidote or the, this medicine for Aaron. Rousseau is more determined to find Alex at this point because she's pretty she's pretty aware now that Alex is still around and Alex is still alive. And so Claire and Rousseau have their own agendas at this point. Kate's the one that kind of is starting to question it now. And with this reveal of what she finds, but as audience members, there's a couple other clues in this entire scene that make us wonder who are these people and what else do they know? And the two clues in particular that I'm talking about are one, the mobile, is made of oceanic planes. Yes. But I don't know if you caught the song that is playing. Falling star and put it in your pocket. So it's, you cannot strike that up to pure coincidence that the song playing on that mobile is the same song. Claire told the people adopting Aaron. She wanted them to sing to him. Right. They know about this. They are, 
Well, but we've also come. To, we've also thought at the same time that the the psychic, or as I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> who told Claire that she had to go give up the baby. We made the hypothesis that he possibly could have been working for them and put her on that plane. Right. Right. Knowing that plane was going to go down. So uh, these others, as they are, <clears throat> or as we know them by now, there is so much more to these. And I think you're mm -hmm. right. I think that's a great realization that that's probably the scarier thing right now is that is who these people are. Because <clears throat> when you want to think of them as kind of primitives to the island, which is the portrayal that they've been putting out, that's one thing. But now knowing that they're not primitives, they have technology, they are completely mysterious in the way of the ways that they are. That's a much scarier thought than just dealing with primitives on an island. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. And I think that's a great realization that that's a scarier thing. Yeah. 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 This is an interesting episode because it, it's very, um, well, like you said, with, with the Lancelot book, uh, nothing seems to, even the episode itself isn't what it really is about. Like on the, in the underlying of the entire episode, you have Henry Gale is starting to learn who he can and cannot manipulate. And then on the other end, you have Kate finding out, uh, that, the others are not, as you said, primitive people or, or natives, right? They're they're actors. Natives um, is a better word. I don't know why I went primitive. I know. Well, that's okay. <laughs> um, but a lot of a lot of what we see underneath just the um, the, the the plot itself is is that yeah, nothing is what what we know so far and and that's kind of a big bomb to drop in in this little episode yeah i mean we we see you know mr friendly clean shaven in this it's the first time we've seen him like that he looks so good i i, I love mc ganey like he's, I... he's another one if i could get him on this podcast i will because i i think he's a fantastic actor i've loved him and everything but one of the other scenes that really sticks out in my head is we don't get it until next season there's a particular scene in which jack has been taken uh, you know, by the others and Kate and Saeed and I think Charlie <clears throat> go after him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when they come to a place where they find Jack, they see Jack running towards them. They think he's trying to escape when in essence he's playing football with Mr. Friendly. Right. Like he's having a catch with Mr. Friendly. I and know. like that scene throw through me so much. But at the same time, I, I, it's highly memorable to me. Like, I still remember that scene clear as day. Right. And it's because of that impact that it had on me. Right. Of, right, of right. like, what the hell is going on? The whole show is nothing is what it seems. Like, you see one thing, they're like, look at this cool ball. And then really, it's not a ball. It's like a sphere that holds an infinity stone or something. You know, like, you're just like, okay, what are we doing with the ball? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, and, and talking more about nothing is as it seems, talking a little bit more about Ethan, is I want to get your reaction on this, and I'm, I'm going to pose this question to you. For, upon first viewing of this, did you believe Ethan was a good person and we were just completely misunderstanding of his character? Or do you still think it was like kind of there's some gray – there's definitely gray area with Ethan? You know, I'm a big believer in gray area. You know, I, I think that people can be good while being evil um, if they're put in in a certain set of circumstances. So 
you know, I'm, I like to try and find the best in people, especially back when the show was on, I, I was very much more an optimist than I am now. Um, so I'd like to say that maybe I did feel that way. Yeah. Okay. There was gray area to him. And and I only bring that up because that's exactly how I was. Like, even in rewatching this, I was like, okay, I want to give Ethan the benefit of the doubt. He really is trying to help Claire and the baby. But then he drops that line of, you know, when Claire asks what happened to Charlie, and he's like, oh, I let him go back the moment I got you. And I, I was like, the, the, the switch flipped. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, yeah. I thought you were good, but no, you're a liar. Like, that's that's a lie. Oh, he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hung him from a tree. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's also curious to note, too, that even though he tried to murder Charlie, Ethan's bedside manner is still better than Jack's. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. Gee whiz. <laughs> it, it's still because he was so nice and and uh, comforting to Claire and like his bedside manner is still better than Jack's. You know what, though? I will say that Jack Jack's bedside manner with Claire this episode was nice. He was nice to her. Yeah. He was, you know, I mean, at the beginning he brushed her off, but at the end she's like, oh, thank you so much. He's like, I didn't do anything, but yeah, he looks really good and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. You're still a douche, but <laughs> that was sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what about you? What's uh, any other points that you wanted to bring up? Uh, I think. Because I, I... I do have a couple more. Oh, I just had a question. Okay. What was the water that was sour? That I, was, yeah, was keeping her drugged, right? Yeah, I have that too. And that's exactly what I think. I think that was more because Ethan didn't take a sip from that canteen. Uh, no. I, I think that was uh, the way of keeping her drugged. Ugh. See? And that makes him a douche. There's that gray area. Yep. He's switching from that white to black. Drugging the pregnant girl. Good job there, buddy. Yep. Um, what, do, what do you have? Because I'm done. I, I don't have anything Okay, I, I have a couple other things. Uh, I, I'll go through a couple of these real quick, and then I'll save the one that we could discuss, actually, for last. Um, I think it was funny to see Libby as a clinical psychologist and <laughs> uh, going through with Claire probably what she went through as a patient. She didn't learn that from... Well, I mean, there is a chance she could have been a clinical psychi uh, psychologist before she went crazy. I don't think that's ever revealed, but I just found it funny. Um, mm -hmm. I also didn't know if you happen to notice this or not. This is a complete Friends reference. Uh, but in the scene towards the beginning of it, after uh, Aaron starts crying and we see Claire and Kate walking the beach and you can kind of hear the baby sound effects in the back. Uh, it is the same exact baby sound effect that is used when Ben cries every time he is in Monica's hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I think that because I watched that episode recently and it just clicked that they were the same oh that was such a good episode um yeah I noticed that there is an escape hatch in the medical hatch yep don't know what that's all about well you know pregnant bitches be escaping <laughs> <laughs> I don't know <laughs> um uh, we, we talked about a little bit about Mr. Friendly already. Uh, Jack and Echo's interaction on the beach when he goes to Jack and he says, I want to talk to him. Like, who is the man in the hatch? 
I my favorite part of this interaction is, you know, when Jack says to him, you know, why exactly would I would I help you or would I let you do that? And I Echo's reaction is so brilliant to me because it's so subtle, but at the same time shows Jack you don't hold all this power that you think right. you do. Right. And it's like literally Echo's response is because uh because you want to keep him a secret. Yeah. <laughs> As in like, I can tell people this shit if I want to. Right. And you'd be screwed. Mm-hmm. So like, it's such a jab to Jack. It's so subtle in his delivery, but at the same time, a jab to Jack because he's telling Jack like, yeah, I can fuck you if I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I yes. can screw you. I could screw you over if I want to. Absolutely. He wouldn't. But yeah. no, and but he absolutely wouldn't. But it's just fun that he plays with it, yeah, because he knows he can. Um, one more quick note, and then I'll go into the the last big one. Uh, Claire in the fridge. I know your mind is clouded with wanting to find this medicine, but if everything else in that hatch is gone, did you really think that medicine would still be in that fridge when you lifted it up? And if it was. It's unplugged. Yeah, exactly. It's not any good. And there's no needles. <laughs> that just made me laugh. I'm like, really? You're going to struggle to lift this fridge? You know it's not in there. But, well, I what's mean, interesting, too, is that I don't know. I mean, Claire doesn't really know about what's going on in the hatch, I think. But there are injections in the hatch that Desmond was giving himself all the time. And I wonder if those are all like the same. Possibly. Did you happen to notice uh, the correlation with the numbers? Yeah, the numbers were on the medicine bottles. The numbers bottles. are on the medicine bottles. Yep. Very uh, subtle. Yeah, uh, but still there. I just love the fact They're that like, hello, that. numbers, we're still here. Yeah. All right, so my final point. Um, uh, we, we didn't talk really a lot about Alex because we do get an introduction to Alex, even though we don't know yet that it's Alex. Um, but my Oh, yeah. <laughs> but my final point... Um, there is a big, and it's again, it's a little bit of foreshadowing. There's a big comparison to Claire and Rousseau in this episode. Well, it's a lot of foreshadowing too. Yeah, and that's what I, yeah, that's what I had mentioned. There's there's some foreshadowing in that we see the person that Rousseau has become because of losing her child and this sickness that took care of everybody. And Claire is kind of going through the same thing. Luckily, she has Rousseau to kind of bring her down a little bit. Even though she says at the end, "If I hope your baby's not sick, but if he is, you know what you need to do. <laughs> that was ominous. When you look forward into this series, Claire goes down that same path. Mm -hmm. She loses Aaron and she becomes Rousseau. very similar to, she becomes Rousseau. Right. Like she's living out in the jungle. Her hair is disheveled. She's wearing like dirty clothing. She basically becomes Rousseau. Yeah, I always thought that that was a misstep with the show. With Claire? Mm-hmm. Why, why would you think that? Because I think that they didn't utilize the relationship between Claire and Jack the way that I really wanted them to. Oh, and yeah, was, because we do find out they are they're related. Yeah, and but we never, it's never even like a thing. I don't, you know what? Come to think of it, I don't think there's any interaction between the two of them after they after he finds out. 
Right. And and it was one of those things that going into the final season, I remember being really excited about seeing what was going to be hap- happening with this. And I that was just one of my was one of the biggest disappointments to me in in the series at series end. Yeah, because I mean there is that moment that Jack finds out that he is that he and Claire are related. And, it's, and he's been raising his nephew this entire time. Yeah, whatever. And, it, and it's well, that's very true. And you know, it, it's not until the final season that Claire takes that transition into the Rousseau character, because um, she spends most of her time in the fifth season gone, like she's disappeared into the jungle. And then we see her again in the sixth and final season uh, as that plays out with the with the man in black becoming Locke mm-hmm. and, and all that fun stuff. Um, I don't think they ever interact. In the time that Jack comes back to the island to the very end of the series, I don't think there's any interactions between Jack and Claire. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure anybody that's listening, maybe they do and maybe we've missed it. Um, But please let us know. Preferably not with, you know, expletives and and (laughs) exclamation points. Please. But (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I I just I just remember at the end of of the series being really, really disappointed in that. And I just thought that the way that they concluded Claire's character was very disappointing. Yeah, she pretty much just gets on a plane and fizzles out. Yeah, you're right. They they really do fizzle out her character. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I agree with that. That's one of the few things I was disappointed about Mm -hmm. when it came to the way the series ended. I know other people were disappointed in other things, but I'm not one of them. So, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much everything that I have. Cool. Uh, so I know, and, and that's everything that you have as well, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned it next week. We're going to be talking about, uh, you know, more Jin and Sun with Our favorite uh, character, my favorite characters. Yeah. With the whole <laughs> truth. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a big truth that's get, that gets revealed in this episode. So. That one's going to be fun to talk to. Uh, a couple notable characters we didn't see this episode. There was no Char- no Charlie, no Hurley, no Anna Lucia, um, no Rose and no Bernard. No Saeed. No Saeed. Yeah, so a couple of key characters not seen in this episode. But you know what? Boo. That's okay sometimes. Uh, I, I think that needs it because then you can concentrate harder on other, on, uh, other stories. Because I know next week there's no, uh, there's no Claire and no Echo. Boo. I know. So, um, <laughs> it's all a boo. <laughs> uh, we do have a piece of listener feedback this week, and that comes from our buddy Steve. But before we get into that, obviously, uh, there are ways we want to encourage you guys to leave us feedback for future episodes as well. And there are multiple ways that you can do that. First and foremost, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Instagram at Lost Revisited Pod. You can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message, you can record it yourself and send it to our email address. Yippee. <laughs> I want to put this out there, too. I know we've been talking a lot about doing about doing this, and we kind of got away from it. And I really want to focus back on it. I want to start bringing people in as special guests again, like as guest hosts. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and I think we're going to start that with season three. So it's going to be a couple weeks before we're going to get to that point. But if you are interested in becoming a guest host with Kristen and I, uh, I want you to send us an email or message us on Facebook and tell us what you love about the show and what your favorite uh, 
uh, we want to know a little bit about you before we bring you on. Now, it's not going to prevent us from bringing you on, but we want to know a little bit more. So tell us uh, what you love about the show, your favorite character, and your favorite episode. Uh, because who knows, we might have you on for that episode if we haven't gotten to it already. So, uh, But as I mentioned before, we do have our piece of voicemail from our buddy Steve Brown. So let's play that now. Hello, Ben and Christian. This is Steve with just a quick voicemail for maternity leave. Not a lot of notes on this one. I only got a chance to watch it once with everything that's been going on this week and getting ready for Avengers. Um, I did think of one thing, though, when Henry, at the beginning, when he says, you could let me go, I kind of wondered, where would you go? You know, if your story is true, you literally have nowhere to go. So I thought that was uh, an interesting question. And, uh, it's this rewatch is great. I love it, but it's it's reminding me of all the things that I don't remember, and uh, so I don't remember if we ever get a full understanding of what they were trying to do with Claire's baby. I know there's something that comes out later about it, but uh, it is interesting to see all the the little things that Kate found that we're going to find out later what they mean, finding the theatrical glue and the disguises and that kind of stuff. Um, no uh, no Jen in this episode and uh, do you think Claire was really going to wanted to give up Aaron to the others or do you think she had been drugged to be susceptible to suggestion to give him up and she just still thinks thinks that way but you know obviously she's got him now and she's going to keep him uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought talk to you later interesting that's interesting. Yeah, where would where would Henry Gale go <clears throat> if I, his story is true? Maybe just be taken in as part of the collective. I, I think, no thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, I think basically "let me go" just means like "let me out of this room." Uh, hey guys, this is our new guy. Yeah. Uh, all these bruises in the stab wound. This is how we found him. <laughs> so I don't. We well, don't know either, he, right? What, right, Henry Gale. He, right. Yeah, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Remember our story. Remember our cover. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Saeed's in the corner, like washing his bloody knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move along. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it's that. That's a good point, though. That, that is a really good point. Is where would you go if if you were left out, and would you try and leave to get away from these people who kept you prisoner, or you know, become a part of the collective? I don't know, man. Uh, At this point, they've they've done a number on poor Henry Gale. Poor Henry Gale. We know no, he's there's not. No poor yeah. Henry Gale. There's but if no he was Gale. on the up and up, it would be poor Henry Gale. Um, as far as the resolution about um, Aaron and sickness and babies and stuff like that, we do get a revelation about pregnant women on the island and uh, who has babies and who doesn't. Yep. Yeah. So I'll exactly. leave it at that. And uh, Steve also mentioned too. He he loves how or he. He remembers how much he forgot about the show or how much he doesn't oh, remember too, about the show. And that's what we've been saying, too, is like there are things that we've watched this series through four or five times. And now going through because it's been so long, there are still things about the series we don't remember. Yes, yeah, some people like to point it out, private messengers <laughs> with expletives and exclamation points. I'm cu- you and I are going to have to talk about this when we're done recording because I don't know who this is, but I'm curious. <laughs> Uh, oh, never mind. I know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> never mind. Somebody who didn't leave us a voicemail this week. 
Yeah, it usually okay. does. That's okay. Yeah. I just I just like giving people a hard time. No, it's fine. I appreciate I appreciate anything that anybody wants to send. Just I am a big proponent of being kind. <laughs> which this person is a very kind person and dear friend. So yeah. I feel like it's okay to He's rag he on. does he does it for fun. He's not doing it for uh Yeah to yeah, be yeah, intentionally yeah. hateful. So it's great. Um yeah, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. As I mentioned, you know, next week we're talking about The Whole Truth, which is the next episode. So leave us that, uh, your feedback for that episode over the course of the next couple of days. Uh, we talked a little bit about Haas Podcasting at the beginning. So again, once again, you know, congratulations to you and Jason on the success that that's finding this this season. Thank you. Uh, you know, be sure to check out that podcast as well as any other podcasts on both Podcastica and Next Level Podcast Networks. What do you have going on? Uh, I'm excited because I know um, we're going to be, and I think you're going to be a part of it as well. Uh, our buddies, Mark Kirkman and Steve Brown, who left us the voicemail on their podcast, Panels to Pixels, they're going to be doing a uh, Avengers Endgame roundtable. And it's going to be actually the those two plus me, you, and Jason, who is your co-host on House Podcastica. Yeah, it's uh, it's proving to be a very busy recording season right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but I love the fact that it's going to be a big roundtable with both uh, Next Level and Podcastica podcast hosts. So yeah, it should be fun. I mean, you know, I'm going to have to really raise my girl flag among all you men, but <laughs> hey, I man, trust I can do it. No spoilers, but there is an awesome scene pertaining to that in that movie. Yes, there is. No spoilers. No spoilers. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, if you haven't seen Endgame yet, do it. Watch it. But watch it. But watch it if you've seen, you know, the Marvel movies. I really think that you look, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'm not. I'm not even going to tell you which Marvel movies I think you should watch all because of them. I do have a list. But I do think that you should watch all of them because it's such a nice payoff for anybody that has actually taken the time to see all of the movies, all 22 of them. There are subtle nods to every movie in any Yeah. So I would, I mean, and they're good. They're not, they're not bad. They're good. And and by the end of it, you care so deeply about these characters. I don't know. I, you just feel like you're there with them in the end game. So I, 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 I highly uh, recommend the movie. I committed the time to watch all 21 movies oh, the, the week before seeing Endgame. And let me tell you, that paid off so much when I went and saw Endgame. It's the fastest three hours I've ever spent in a theater. And it is the, I think it's the most perfect three hours I've ever spent in a theater. It, it was excellent. Yes. It was very, very excellent. I, I would agree. But I, when it was over, I remember Dave and I, we looked at each other, we're like, that was three hours? Yeah, it goes that by very not quickly. not feel like three hours. Not at all. It goes by very quick. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Highly recommended. If you haven't seen it yet, go and see it. And then listen to panels to pixels roundtable yeah. discussion. I think next Avengers week. Endgame. I think next week we're going to be recording that. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know yet either. <laughs> it hasn't been scheduled yet. Yeah. Uh, but plenty of time for people to go out and see Endgame before they listen to it, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up then for cool, this week's episode. Uh, any final notes on your end before we get out? No. Okay then. <laughs> <laughs> Simple enough. Uh, Valar, my coolest. Valar, my ragtime doll. There you go. There we those go. Those are my last. Those are my last notes. I can't. Fine. I can't get out of my head. I know. I love that meme. I'm so glad I posted that. Yeah. Uh, cool. So then, with that being said, we are out of here until next week. We'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye.
Bye bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! Send me a kick by wire. Baby, my heart's on fire, on fire. If you refuse me, honey, you'll lose me. Then you'll be left alone, oh baby. Telephone and tell me, tell me. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you go. Shut up.